Thanks for listening to Bezier. Bezier is sponsored by Superhigh, online courses for code, design, and product management. Superhigh's courses can be done in your own home at your own pace. I've been a Superhigh student since 2017 and have gone from being a designer feeling alienated by the should designers code discourse to building my own sites and now even selling web design services. My favorite part of Superhigh is the community of learners. As a Superhigh student, you're added to this huge community of all the other Superhigh students. It's filled with inspiring people from all over the world in all different places in their careers. I've gotten work there, I found podcast guests there, and even made in-person friends, all because of Superhigh. It's easy to get started. There's an online code editor. You can do it on your own schedule. There's built-in community of learners. It's got everything you need. Start learning to code, design, or product manage today at superhigh.com. I like to have guests introduce themselves. Could you share a bit about yourself? Hi, I'm Jay Austin. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm a brand designer. Right now, I work for a company called Nimbus. I do marketing websites for banking apps. And then when I'm not working, I do a lot of like rock climbing. I've been getting into acrobatics lately, draw, do different stuff. And I'm in Austin. That's where I'm based. Nice. How long have you been rock climbing? Since college, but like on and off. I'm not good at it. Let's not think that about me. But I just, I really enjoy it. I love like going outside and stuff. And I also think rock climbing is like a video game because there's different levels to it. It's a good motivating factor. <laughs> yeah. I like exercising when I don't feel like I'm exercising. So like acrobatics and stuff like that. It's great because it's like you're working out and getting really fit, but you don't feel it. <laughs> you know, that's really inspiring to me because I always struggle to work out and it's definitely because it feels a little bit like a chore to me. So I like the, the turning it into a game or, or something like that. A hundred percent. The only way I can work out in a gym is if I like call people and I'm like, hey, you want to go with me? And like, we just encourage each other the whole time and laugh about how terrible we are. And then I can work out. I love it. I want to hear about yeah. Nimbus and brand marketing, but maybe before that, you could tell us a little bit about how you got there. Like as far back in your career journey as you want to talk about, I'd love to hear a little bit of background that way. Goodness. Yeah. I went to school for film and theater. Graphic design was always something that I knew about because my dad like worked as like a web design professor back in the day, like at a tech school. So I'd like known about design and I'd had Photoshop and stuff and taught myself from that. But when I got to college, I started working, doing like work study jobs for their marketing department for athletics. So I got experience in that and then freelanced and did different stuff as I was working in theater and working as a tech or like as a makeup artist. I was still also like, I'll design your logo on the side. And then eventually ended up working for theme parks, working under their art directors. Part of it was theater tech and then part of it was design. So I kind of got to do both and like help art direct their outdoor events. Then from there, I started working as a designer for restaurant companies. And I was like the only designer for like 23 different local restaurants in Tampa. And that was really fun. I got to do a lot of illustration. I learned a lot about Procreate, but it was not where I wanted to be. And the pandemic happened and it was just, 
I needed something new. So I moved to Austin and freelanced for six months. And then a recruiter reached out from Nimbus. And it is a tech company that builds banks. And when I talked to my boss, I asked him, what is the diversity like at Nimbus? He didn't have the numbers for me, but when we met, he was like, I can only lead by example. And so he was really like good about like hiring for diversity. And now I'm able to, I'm the only trans person on the DEI or diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging board. We just started it, and I'm really, really excited because that's something that I've always been really passionate about. And, like, as a white person, I know it's my job to just kind of sit and listen, but I also get to, like, educate the company on pronouns, and I'm going to, like, get to do a talk on it. And so I've loved the fact that I get to design, but I also get to do what I'm passionate about by working with people to make more inclusive spaces. And how big is the DEI committee? Right now, so they do a rotation every six months. We just started it this year because Nimbus is a new company, and it's got probably about 10 people on it. Oh, okay, nice. Um, yeah. It seems large for a, a new company, but that's, that's promising, I think. Well, our new company, it's like a five-year-old startup, so I guess it's a late-stage startup because we have like 400 people now. Oh, 400 oh, yeah. people, five years. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's wild. It's grown so rapidly. When I started a year ago, we had like 100 people. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a, a whole podcast episode about asking you questions about that transition of 100 to 400 people in a year. Because <laughs> those rapid... Uh, expansions in tech it's I think it really changed this what the designer job looks like over that time mm -hmm. and it, it seems like that's happened for you so fast yeah it's been great because I've grown so much as a designer because when I started I was hired just as a senior brand designer you know mainly doing like mock-ups for like UI stuff and like PowerPoints and then I was like hey I've been really wanting to get more into websites and my boss was like great and so I just started doing all the websites and then have just been doing a bunch of marketing sites and it's been really fun because Nimbus builds marketing websites and they also build banking apps I build marketing websites Nimbus builds the apps it's like a core thing, so they can build an entire banking app in 90 days. So sometimes credit unions will partner with us, sometimes banks will, sometimes people buy the banks. But it's all like niche or niche niches. So like banks for pet owners or newlyweds, and I get to make all the marketing websites for those. And then my um, boss codes them. And then we have junior designers, two junior designers, and then we have an art director and a creative director. So that's our team makeup. And it's really lovely. It sounds lovely. I'm curious, is it, <laughs> have you set up sort of like a design system or style guide and all of the websites you're building are in a sort of similar family of style or each of them really unique to the brands? Each of them are completely unique to the brand because what we'll do is, so I get to design a brand from the beginning to the end. So I'll come up with the colors and the logo, and then all of a sudden I'm designing the site, and then I'm designing the first few like sneak peeks of what a UI could look like. And it's all completely unique. 
so like the banks are pet owners it's like blue and red and like very fun and lots of like round bits and then you have the bank for newlyweds that's like pink and very instagrammable and sourcing stock photos is like completely different for all like they're completely different individual brands and i think it's like core software that they reskinned um when people sell it so yeah this is really fun. It sounds like the benefit of like an agency or a freelance model where you're getting all these different clients, but like the benefits of in-house. Yeah, I feel like I'm working at an in-house agency. And sometimes we'll partner with agencies when we're too like overloaded or if it's something that we don't have someone to do. So like right now we don't have a motion designer and right now we don't have a front end developer. So occasionally we'll partner with agencies to like take care of those tasks. But for the most part, yeah, it's like working for an in-house agency. I'm doing all the branding and all the sites and stuff, but it's still for a company. And occasionally I'll work on my own company's brand, like designing its career page or its website or something like that. But for the most part, it's the other brands that I'm working on. Just to jump back in your career a little bit, I'm <laughs> theme park was not what I expected and is maybe <laughs> a, a little bit more unique of a career step. What is that work environment like? Well, it's wild because I was doing theater tech and then I went to another theme park where I was doing more graphic design stuff. The work environment is wild because your days aren't really, you never know what you're going to be doing. So one day you're painting fake blood on stuff because your art director is like, we need this to look more Halloween-y. And then the next day you're running fog and smoke machines and it's like the humidity. You've got to make sure that it's not too much fog, that like guests are tripping over themselves. And then the next day you're coming in at like 2 a.m. for a load in and it's all of the stuff that you've designed for like an event and you get to like put it all up. And it's so cool to see everything like in person, like all of your designs that were on the computer. Like I got to design like a mural and stuff like that, that we like got in vinyl and were able to like put up. And it was so cool, like seeing all of this stuff, but I'm also helping install it. So it was all hands up. Like before, you know, design, I was in theater all the way. So I'm doing, you know, carpentry, welding, I was a fireworks technician for a while. I did makeup art. I was a costume designer. And all of that, I feel like, has really helped me with design because it's still the same principles of, like, learning what looks good together. So now I've been able to do it, like, spatially, and I can also do it on the computer. It just sounds like such a great conversation starter. So that's it's fantastic. <laughs> And then real quick, you said that you t did six months of freelance once you landed in Austin before you were at Nimbus. What was the decision to go freelance? And then what was maybe the decision other than Nimbus reaching out to you? Like, how did you decide to make that leap to in-house again? Well, so when I had my job in Florida, it was... One of those where I was the designer for all of the restaurants, but I was also like they kept adding projects, but not adding new people. So I would be working till like 8 p.m. every day and then getting calls, like getting yelled at. And it just wasn't necessarily like the best environment, especially because like when COVID started, um, because it was a restaurant, 
industry, they were like, restaurants can still be open, so everyone needs to be in the office. And I was the only one wearing a mask. And I was like, this just isn't safe. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and Austin's where my family is. Like, Florida was really an accident. I was only supposed to be there for six months for a theme park. (laughs) Um, And then I just ended up staying three years. So, coming back and then, like... I'd had like a bunch of connections in Florida that several like small businesses needed websites since they were moving online because of COVID. So I was able to work until like getting all of my stuff together, getting my portfolio together. I was also like teaching people on TikTok during that time and just kind of exploring what I wanted to do with design next because I was kind of making the tradition or the transition from graphic design to uh, visual design and brand design. So I needed time to build up a portfolio for that. Uh, I'm glad you brought up TikTok. Can you tell the audience a little bit about what you were teaching on TikTok? Yeah. So for a while, I was teaching Procreate lessons on TikTok and a little bit of Figma as well. And I want to go back to it. I just haven't yet, but I'm um, teaching a lot of things that stumped me in art school. So like perspective, when you do it in digital art, there's a lot of tips and tricks that can help you set up spaces a lot more easily because backgrounds are really hard for people to draw. And then from there, I started teaching like, here's how you can draw and procreate and transition it to Figma, or these are the differences because I wanted people to get an education and for me like art school and stuff like that is always something that I'd wanted to do but as someone that was raised like poverty lane it wasn't necessarily something that I had expected to be able to do but I still wanted that education and so I wanted to be able to share what I learned with other people in simple easy to digest formats so that's why I got started in TikTok and teaching all of it. Well, I love that you do that. My role at Figma was to run design education. And it's because like at the time, and I think still now for the most part, the majority of design education still, like you said, happens at this higher education level, which is only accessible to six or 7% of the global population. So it is something that's still very inaccessible. And so that was one of the things that we were doing there. And I, I just love that you and other people have been doing so much design education online for free. It's, I think it's really important for us to democratize it more. That's 100% what I think. I don't think that I would have gotten into design if I didn't have a free copy of Photoshop 6 on my computer when I was a kid. And I don't think that other people should be like scared of entering an industry because of the startup costs. Like Adobe costs so much money that I don't like to support Adobe because people around the world can't afford 20 or 30 for a student price if you're in higher education. And if you're not in higher education because you can't afford it, $50 a month, that's not feasible for most people. Most people are living paycheck to paycheck. So I took a break from mental health which is why I haven't posted much on my design TikTok. But I want to get back to it because education should be free and people should be able to learn what they're passionate about. And if I can give just a little bit of what I've learned away, I think that's worth it. So 
if someone wanted to start out in design, it sounds like one of your recommendations would be to like finding these free resources online. What are other recommendations for people that like want to get into the web design industry? So for me, what I did when I wanted to learn web design was I looked through all of Webflow's videos, like Webflow University, it's free. And it teaches you so much about how to think as far as like the box model and how HTML works. So when I went back into Figma, it helped me understand how to like group everything together. So Webflow University is definitely a great place to start. Of course, I already knew a lot about like web design going into it. So it might be different for someone with like no knowledge at all. But I definitely think that it's very easy to understand. There's jokes and stuff to keep you entertained. So that, and then if you want to learn Figma for design, I definitely recommend um, uh, Raji's like five minutes of Figma or like any of the like free resources that the design tools put out because the people who are running the design tools will teach you more than you could have ever thought the design tools are capable of. I'm really glad you brought up uh, Webflow University. One of my favorite courses that I recommend all the time is their freelancer's journey, which I think they've renamed, but it's you'll still see that in the URL slug. It's called, it mm -hmm. was called the freelancer's journey because as an agency owner, I learned how to do my job better just watching that. Uh, and like, yeah, fantastic stuff. You're totally great recommendation. What do you think something like every design manager or the person that leads designers should hear? You're doing great, sweetie. I don't think that people tell design managers that enough. <laughs> but also, really invest in your team. I think one of the things that's helped me so much with personal growth this year is that my manager has made a point for each of us once a week to do a skill share. And so it'll rotate week by week on if it's like the art director, or one of the junior designers or me. But you have to do, like, you get an hour long to just teach the rest of the creative team something that you're passionate about. It can be design-related, art-related. One of my junior designers did a great presentation on diversity in stock photos and how it's more than just, like, choosing people. Like, you need to make sure that it's diverse with, like, people with wheelchairs. You need to make sure that there's, like, dark-skinned women. And, like, all of this stuff. And it was, I've learned so much from these Skillshares and also from teaching my own Skillshares. So it's like, oh, I'm going to teach it on prototyping and Figma. I should watch a few videos because I need to brush up on that, you know. So, like, design managers just have such a chance to impact their entire team. And it's not just the management, get stuff done, make sure that the tasks are done on Monday or Asana or whatever. It's how can you invest in your team so that when they move past the career or the job that they're at, that you can still help people with their resume or their portfolio because there's still people that you've worked with. This is your network, you know? And so how can you really invest in those people? But also as a design manager and just making sure that giving good feedback, like don't say that everything is great all the time, but also don't criticize too much. Like ask people like, 
what is strong in the work and call that out. But then also like, this isn't working. This is how it could work better. Like offer suggestions to help better your team. I think that's really, really important because people grow from feedback. Absolutely. I think that's all really good advice. And I also really believe in the like invest in people because everyone's going to go work at a different job at some point. So mm-hmm. like be realistic about it. And I think like developing people while they're on your team will one keep them on your team longer but yeah like you said that's your future network it's always like important that they feel like a whole person and you can help with that Mm -hmm. one thing that my cmo says a lot every marketing meeting is just no one's gonna retire here so use the resources while you can and she gave us like an education budget of like uh several hundred dollars a quarter so that we can invest in ourselves and she's like serious about it. Like use what company resources you can to invest in yourself and your career while you're here. And I just think that's like a mark of a great leader. So So I think there are a lot of amazing things in our design communities, but on the flip side, there are a lot of problems. We see all variety of bigotries, ableism and racism and homophobia and there's the patriarchy there's white supremacy how do you feel about it all how do we fight it out of our industry how do we as designers like make an impact well for starters designers are the people who decide what everyone is looking at all visual media that you see has been designed and that can be super impactful. So you're not going to solve one of these issues alone. And it's very, very, very important to not feel overwhelmed, but also doing your part. So with ableism, you can fight that by educating yourself on accessibility. How can I make my contrast ratios better? What can I do? What does this sound like in a screen reader? That is one way that designers can help fight ableism. Fighting white supremacy, bringing up points that, hey, all of these stock photos have white people in them. Why are we not choosing more diverse people? Does this actually need to only be marketed towards white people? You're losing out on so many other people. But I don't feel qualified to speak like totally on all of these issues. But There's definitely so much more that we can be doing. I think that designers also play a big impact in what's going to happen like ecologically, like with the environment, with all of the crypto stuff taking off. Designers, you have to make a choice. Do you want to be involved in it or not? And I feel like I've seen a split on Twitter since NFTs took off. On one hand, it's like great for like up and coming younger artists who haven't been able to get a lot of money before. On the other hand, it's a bunch of rich people participating in a Ponzi scheme that's ruining the environment. And so how can you choose what's right there? And are you going to make art? Are you going to participate in Web3? Are you going to do those digital sites? That's something that people have to decide for themselves. But at the same time, if you're not, than other people that have a lot of money and might not have the best intentions are going to be the leaders in that. So where do you stand? So there's, there's, a, there's a lot, like 
that design plays into every political issue that we have right now. Like, all of it, like politics and stuff, like politicians don't get elected without marketing. Marketing needs designers. So design responsibly. (laughs) Yeah, design responsibly is really a good takeaway. I think that you're the first person to bring up NFTs on the show, uh, and I'm glad you did. Uh, Yeah, I hadn't really thought about how it really has created such a rift in our creative communities, but you're right. There's definitely people falling on, like, one side or the other there, and uh, I think the consequences are very great there. Mm -hmm. And I need to educate myself more on that before I can speak on it. I haven't made an NFT. I haven't delved into web three yet no hate if that's something that you have done because i see it from an artist's perspective like i've watched people like artists i've been following like for like a long time like talking about how nfts have helped me get out of the hood and stuff like that and it's like it's so good to like see how it's made such an impact for these people that i've really wanted to like take off and then at the same time it's like it's destroying like the environment and I would like to be around in more than eight years, you know? So, (laughs) I mean, you make a great point. Like people working at Facebook have, you know, there's lots of nuance there because you're right. It Mm -hmm. has like helped some people get out of poverty. So there's like a benefit to those individuals, but Mm -hmm. yeah, with the NFTs, like you mentioned it Ponzi schemes and environmental impact. And yeah, it's a, it's a large downside, I think personally Mm -hmm. yeah 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 so the best thing that you can do is get educated i think the more you learn about issues the more you can decide where do i want to be on this because being in tech we are at the forefront of this nfts don't get made without people making pictures guess who's making those pictures designers and illustrators you know so we got to (laughs) decide Who is one person that you think the audience should know about? Does it have to be a designer? Definitely not. <laughs> I would say Sean Page. He used to be a recruiter for Webflow. Um, he's queer and does a lot of stuff on Twitter that... Um, just teaches you a lot about diversity and hiring and retweets a lot of really good stuff that I've learned a ton from. And I think that I've also just met him personally and he's great and he did a tarot reading for me. Like, can't recommend him enough. (laughs) And what about reading? Is there a book that you think everyone should read? There's many books that I think people should read. Design related, I think Feel Like an Artist is going to be a really good book that whole series because it makes you feel proud of your work and it teaches you that it's okay to show your work you don't have to just be like no one's going to know that you're a designer if you're not posting about it no one's going to see your work like you could be great great at illustrating but if it's all going to stay on your ipad and in your procreate files like how are people going to know? And so it teaches you to share your work and be proud of yourself. And I think that's really important. And in real life, there's a bunch of other good books on my reading list, like the 1619 Project and 
and stuff like that, that uh, just getting an education on U.S. history and, like, stuff we weren't taught in schools, I think is really important as well. Yeah, you said earlier about, like, educating yourself on issues is really important. And I think, like, 1619 Project's a really great call-out. And to your greater point of just, like, things you don't get taught in school, I think, especially, I grew up in the United States. Like, I, I think there's a lot of gaps in education there for, for my reading list from school. So I completely agree with you. Yeah, but no matter what field you're in, I think it's really important to read books about your passions. So even if you're not a designer, like listening to this, like find a book about something that you want to pursue and then you read it. Or I'm terrible at reading books. I'm just going to admit that I have ADHD. I cannot, I cannot finish a book. That is not something that will happen in my lifetime unless it's an audiobook. So I listen to everything, which is and another accessibility point. Make make your things available both in audio and transcript version or, yeah, so. Do you like when the author reads from the book or do you like audiobooks by like professional, like, um, I don't know, audiobook readers? So I'm not going to lie. If it's a high fantasy series and it's not read by an old man with a British accent, I don't know if I can get through it. <laughs> totally. Everything else can be the author. But there's just something about old fantasy that I need that old man with a British accent. Yeah, it's part of the genre, I think. <laughs> For sure. I don't know if that's, like, sexist, but I don't know. I just, it's, it's something. I just, it, it helps build the world for me. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. I listened to an audiobook once and it was a fantasy series, but it was like a man with an American accent. And I was like, I don't know if I can get through this, to be completely honest. I did, but it was really hard. <laughs> Do you have like a, like one major like audiobook recommendation? Mm. A lot of the visual design books don't translate well to audiobook, but see, trying to like think i mainly listen to like a lot of fantasy stuff in audiobook while i'm working so uh it's more like the name of the wind which is an amazing book that the author like is very very intentional about every word so like in the second book in the series someone like on reddit found out that like the characters like their speech is timed to a Bach piece and another character's speech is timed to a Mozart piece and they all speak in iambic, or the character, the main character is a bard and he speaks in iambic pentameter. And so someone on Reddit figured out that during a significant thing that happens in the book, they switch places and one character starts speaking in the other, like the Mozart piece and the other character starts speaking in the Bach piece. And so it's just like, all of this really intentional stuff that you wouldn't figure out if fans didn't comb over it. And I think as an audiobook, you get to hear the ambic pentameter a little bit more. Yeah, that's fantastic. It definitely sounds like the audiobook would be a better experience for that. Mm-hmm. I would have never known otherwise. <laughs> yeah. So I believe that everyone should get paid for their time. So on this show, we share the profits from our advertisers with our guests. Are there other ways that the audience can support you? Yeah, I have a cash app and I have a buy me a coffee. I can send you the link. Yeah. Um, but please don't ever feel obligated to like, yeah. I think that people shouldn't have to pay. It's more like tips, you know? 
So with all of the like TikTok stuff I do and everything like that, like just donations. No, yeah. I don't ever want to have a paywall for anything. Definitely. Yeah, a little tip is nice. I, I, I'm with you like sharing free things and then when people can support, they do. And the people that can't, it's like they deserve those resources as well. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Where are the best places for people to find you? I know you from your wonderful Twitter content. We've talked about TikTok. <laughs> is there anywhere else you want people to be guided? Yeah, so I mainly post on Twitter. My handle is Sigma Antichrist. Um, <laughs> Sigma followed me, and I was the 666th person that they followed. So I had no to change way. my handle immediately to that. Yeah, that's why my handle is that. It was just my name before that. And then that happened, and I've been Sigma Antichrist ever since. <laughs> I'm so grateful to have the backstory there. I was always so curious. I thought it was a great handle, but I was so curious. Yeah. <laughs> well, if Figma follows you, I think everybody else should as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, my, my content is for the girls, days, and gays. Occasionally, I'll post design content, but I'm not necessarily saying that I am 100% professional on that account. That is my, <laughs> yeah. that is my, parental advisor re-warning. <laughs> I'm also on uh, Instagram. Okay, great. Yeah, we can put that in the show notes as well. No, that's perfect. Jay, thank you so much for being on Bezier. I really appreciate your time and it was such a great interview. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up? I would like to just encourage all the junior designers out there really quick. You're also doing great CD and like in your portfolio and all that stuff like don't sweat it you're gonna be great just do what you can you know that's that's my encouragement bezier is a design interview podcast amplifying voices in our creative communities that don't already have large platforms and aren't working at big five tech companies we focus on finding guests from all over the world and representative of as many of us as possible if you have a great guest idea for Bezier, please email us at inquiry at zoct.studio. That's I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at Z-A-C-H-T dot studio.